Okay, good morning. Today's daf is Davov. Today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas, Yocheved Bas Chaim Avram, and Ruvain Ben Leiv Idol. May the Neshamas have an aliyah, may the memory be a blessing. Amen. Um, okay, so let's go from, I think, the... Yeah, Davov. But let's go from the seventh last line on Hamwood Base, 5B. It's a new piece. Not so new, because a lot of the discussion still hinges around the Machloikes of Rav and Rav. Remember how we came out at the end of the discussion is that Rava holds the, what's the reason that you, the aide has to make the declaration? I, when he's delivering the aide, when the shliach, when the person delivering the get, the divorce document, he has to say, it was written before me and it was signed before me. The reason he has to do that is because maybe aidim, they won't find aidim. It will be, uh, People don't travel between those places, etc. And therefore, you, he has to make that declaration to verify the signatures. As we said, it's a leniency because generally to verify signatures you should require to aid him. But we go lenient by, um, by the get to enable the woman to get divorced. And as we, go to, as we mentioned, but it's going to come up again in today's day, that once he's made that declaration... The husband can't even come and protest. So if a week or a few weeks or a month later, the husband comes along and says, no, 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 I didn't authorize that or I don't know where she got that from. It's too bad. The, the, the shliach who delivered it said that declaration and now he can't argue on, on it anymore. And that's Rava. Rabba said, initially he said the concern is they don't know about Lishma. They don't know that the get has to be written specifically on behalf of the husband for that wife. And that, that's, that, that's his reason. And therefore, I mean, what made that a little bit tricky is what about where people do know the halacha, how would that change it? And, um, and then an added thing, then the Gomorrah changed to say, but Ra- Rabba agrees with Rabba. So they're actually, according to Rabba, they're both reasons why you need to verify the, the get. One is to make sure that it's written more, and the second one is to to verify the signatures, very good. So we're going to go from the new pieces. Now we, this, this this next point is what is the what's the shliach's? Remember we said he has to say What's his involvement in that? So bar when bar was going to deliver a get. He came before Rebbe Achei, who was the one in charge of Gittin. I'll come back to that. I'll tell him, you have to stand and watch him write every single word. You want to get up and say, it was written before you, you have to watch him write every word. When he came before Rebbe Ami, Rebbe Asi, they said to him, you don't have to. And maybe you will even suggest... You know what? I want to go strict. I know it's not required. I don't have to literally watch every single word being written. But let me go strict and do that. The other um, Rav Achai, Rabbi Achai, said it's a good idea. So let me just do it anyway. Let me go L'Chumra. They said, no, comes out that you're speaking, you What's it? You uh, incriminating? I don't know if that's the right word, but you putting a problem. You speaking badly about the early get because now people are going to start to think, oh, a get needs that. Look at all these gitin where the shliach was not particular to watch every single word, and they, are they rare? Are they really valid? 
And then what's the problem with that? These women got married. Theoretically, they're committing adultery. Their children are mamzerim. So you are not allowed to actually go strict. So just two interesting points on this piece. The first, um, the one is that, what is this halacha of, um, who, who's this that he was, Rav Achai Dahave Mamuna Agite, Rav Achai who was appointed over Gitin. So Rashi brings that they used, they, they used to have someone who was there to supervise and officiate over Gitin. Main towns of the base didn't have that. And he says, what's the reason? Because the Gomorrah in Kiddushin says, Anyone who doesn't know the halachas of Gitin and Kiddushin well, He should not get involved with them. And they used to appoint a great scholar to be in charge of it. There are a lot of technical issues. If you get them wrong, we're dealing with major concerns here. Adultery, mamzerus, are they properly married, etc. So you want to make sure it's all done correctly, and therefore you have an official over it. Very interesting. So, so that's definite by Gittin. Um, by Kiddushin, it's a bit of discussion. The, uh, the, uh, um, the Taz actually says it really only applies to Gittin. You can have any person to be Masada Kiddushin. And uh, I know we, we're generally much more lenient with who officiates at a wedding. They don't have to be a scholar. They can really, I mean, we generally try to get a rabbi, but they don't have to have a scholar or done the halachas of Kiddushin well. Because the reason, again, they're not that many halachas. You're kind of following a procedure. You know, make sure they're too aging, make sure that it's his ring, make sure, you know, there's, but, uh, but that's, but I think that there are certain things that are quite interesting. I've often, not often, but, Quite complicated is who can be a witness at the chuppah. Can't be a brother-in-law. Can't be a cousin. And you, you once in a while you'll notice that, like, wait, but who's the, how, who's he? Can he be the witness? You know, so so there, there, there are complications that can arise with the Masari Kiddushin himself. Pulling out the ksuba, there's sometimes trick, uh, tricky points. I know once. Uh, so how the babies inhabit is the. Um, well, I'll come back. The, the Basin, I remember my grandfather speaking very highly of the Basin in uh, Johannesburg because everyone who wants to get married goes to them for an interview and they kind of determine whether halakhically the couple can get married. You know, based on the interview, based on the parents' ksubas and all those sort of factors. And he said that's a very, very big mala. Otherwise, you end up with rabbis who don't know. And they're complicated halachas. You know, what happens if a child, if the mother did commit adultery, do you assume this child goes after the fa- after it was with her husband or was it with the, through the affair? You know, there are complicated issues that arise. And I remember my grandfather pointing out that it's a, it's a, it's a fine-edged sword that you have to walk across when determining it. Because on the one hand, you can't... There's certain questions you have to find out and you have to know. Can a, is he a Kohen and is she a Grusha? Is... He a Mamzer and she a Vasisrael. They can't get married. But on the other hand, you're not allowed to probe. You're not allowed to dig into the family history too much because then you and you bring up dirt. It's, it's kind of like Losh and Hora. So, the, so you've got to find that fine balance of asking the right questions and what questions do you need to ask? When do you need to investigate further? It's just not so straightforward to always... I think to be a Masada Kirushin. I know another, so interestingly, someone once, I don't think this is a major detail, it wouldn't have invalidated the marriage or whatever, but there's certain, depending on the Ksuba, how much money is recorded in the Ksuba and certain phrases are changed, depending on is it a first marriage, a second marriage, a convert, uh, a person who was, who grew up irreligious and definitely, um, 
are not a basula, you know, there are certain phrases that get changed or sometimes get changed. So like I remember once, someone, um, how the Bayesian do it is the couple go for the interview and then they send a form to the Masari Kiddushin what he must fill in in the Ksuba. Or signs, you know, all those things. And <coughs> they once sent it to my father and I remember he was like, He's like, but wait, I know this case. It can't be that those are the right details. I mean, I don't think many rabbis would have picked up in the language of, uh, you know, because it's whether it's a regular Jew or a convert or this, you know, what needs to be changed. So uh, it's, even with the uh, Masari Kiddushin, it's not so straightforward. Okay, um, yeah, this Motsi Lazar, you showed him, I remember my grandfather also speaking about very often. You've got to be very careful to say, I want to practice a better halacha. Because if you say, I'm practicing a better halacha, what am I saying my father did and my grandfather did and his grandfather and the rav of the town? They all practice like this and I've got a better halacha. You're indicting. I don't know what the exact you're uh, throwing you. And here you mot with gitin and stuff. You, it's very serious because if you mot on the gitin, you're saying that they're not valid gitin. So, no, I know. You can't, come, you can't just come along and say... I want to practice a better halacha because then you could, might be saying that all the gitin up until now that this town's issue are not valid. I know my, uh, similar story. There are a few cases with uh, with mikvos. You know they want to build the town built an emergency mikvah when they were first setting up the Jewish community. Many years later they want to uh, renovate or build a new mikvah and incorporate a whole lot of chumras that they now have the money and stuff that they have to. But you've got to do it very carefully because. If you're going to say this is a better mikvah, then oh, what about every single mother who's been going to that mikvah for the last uh, 50 years? You can't be moitzi lies on them and their children. So uh, they're various, like I remember, I'm trying to think, I think it might be a chuba or a moshe or someone, says you've got to make sure to still keep both mikvahs active for a certain amount of time to kind of say that you can choose so that people realize that they both... Uh, Good mikvahs, but that's a very important concept of Motsi Lazar Rishonim. You've got to be careful to say, Look, I, I know how to do it better. Okay, Rabbi Baba, third last one. Rabbi Baba, Tana, I see Gita Palge Isav Kame, or Palge Loisav Kame. Rabbi Baba, Tana was delivering a get which half was written before him and half was not written before him. I said, Kame Derbi Lazar, he came before Rabbi Lazar, Amalaya, Filu Loikos of Elashit Achas, Lishmo, Shuv Einot Zorif. says, Even if you've only written what, the first line is more, there's no more need. Rashi later on says the first line is more means the names and the, the what's it, the names and the dates. Those are the key key points. Therefore, that has to be written in more, and the rest of the get that follows do not have to be. But we see you don't have to. He doesn't have to be there watching. Never mind every single letter, even just the general, um, even most of it. Um, Ravashi, Omar Ravashi says, not only that, I feel kind coolness for kind of gilsa. Even just, I'll give uh, Rashi second shot because this is what he says he thinks the crap crap shot is. Even if he just hears the sound of the the quill scratching or the parchment unrolling. That's good enough. And Tanya Kavai says to Ravashi, there's a price in line with Ravashi, and maybe get me Medina Sayom, if he's bringing a get from overseas, from outside of Kutzrois, Afiluhu Beveis for Sofer Balia, even if he was in the downstairs and the scrub right in the get was upstairs. Or who Balia Besofer Babais, or the other way around, the scrub was writing it in the upstairs and he was, uh, the scrub was downstairs and he was writing the get and he was upstairs. Afilu Nichnas Biyotse, Kolayom Kula, even if he's walking in and out of the house the whole day, Kosher, it's a kosher get, and he can make the declaration. Who is the sofa balia? 
But wait, if he's downstairs and the sofa is upstairs, he's not watching him right the get. So how's he going to say, It was written and signed before me. So it must be because he hears the sound of the kumus and the sound of the megilsa. So as I mentioned, Rashi said the pshat here is that he hears. I'm, I'm assuming, this I didn't see inside, but I'm assuming he must hear kind of the discussion. They ask him, will you deliver this get? And he's like, yeah. I just want to make sure it's written in more. And the husband says, yeah, I'm going to be here with the cipher and we can write it on my behalf for my wife, uh, Rachel, dot, dot, dot. Um, and he just hears them starting to write it. He's upstairs, they're downstairs. That's fine. That's the one chat. The other chat is uh, Rashi says that he just hears him sharpening the quill or um, cutting the paper to size, the parchment to size. Um, but that is uh, all... Uh, all valid. He doesn't actually, to say, it's quite a, I found this quite surprising, to say that it was written before me, he doesn't have to actually have seen it being written, he just has to be aware, know, that he can verify that it was written, Bishmo, and those aiding were the ones who signed on it. Says, and then we just add, oh, Mar, we mentioned in this price, we said that even if he's going in and out the whole day, it's a valid get. Says man, who are we talking about going in and out? Says Elaim is Shliach, maybe you'll say it's referring to the Shliach. Aye, so as long as he's walking in and out of the room where they're writing the get, it's fine. He says, Hashtahu sofa But didn't you just say that if he's downstairs and the sofa is upstairs, that he doesn't even see it Omar Kosha, you said it's kosher. Nihnat for Yosemi boy. How much more so uh, how much more so if he actually um, witness, if he if he's actually walking in and out, that he sees some of it. So who's the talking about when when the bryce said as even if he's walking in and out of the house, it's valid. It can't be referring to the shliach walking in and out of the house because we said he doesn't even have to see it be written. Never mind if he's walking in and out and sees it. So Ella Sofer. Maybe he's saying if this Sofer was walking in and out, so he did a few lines, he went to the shops, came back, did another few lines, went to do a lift scheme, drop his what, drop his uh, grandchildren at school, um, did another few lines. So Ella Sofer, but Shittim, you shouldn't deny to Yosef. It's not. Why should walking in and out the house invalidate the get? So he says no. Lot Tzricha, we need it. An offer plus Shuka. He went to the shops, he went to the marketplace. Vaasa, and then he returned. Maybe he came across another person he wanted him to write to get, and that's what he's doing now. Therefore, comes to teach us you don't have to be concerned about that. And so it's actually a totally different uh, point. The one point we're discussing is what does the shaliach have to see? The second question is if the shaliach goes out, now he's gone and he's probably bumped into a few people and might have also wanted to do book appointments and get their get written, etc. So maybe now when he's sitting back down and writing the get, he's lost the lishmo. He's doing it for someone else. You don't have to worry about that. Okay, back to um, the discussion. So Itmar, Bovel, regarding Bovel, Rav Omar Ke'eret Yisrael, the Gittin, Rav says it's like Eretz Yisrael regarding Gittin, Ushmul Omar Kuchutz and Shmuel says, it's like Chutz Laaretz. Now what? There are a few ways of understanding this Bavel. Is it that he's traveling from Chutz Laaretz to Eretz Yisrael? And it's as if he's traveling from one place in Eretz Yisrael to another? 
or is it like travel? You know, what's the exact scenario? So Tozos point out firstly that question of someone traveling from Babel to Eretz Israel is going to be addressed over the page. So it's definitely not that. Um, so therefore. I mean, Tosfos and Rashi, but Tosfos explains more. The case here is one Medina to another Medina in Bavel. So Rav says again that it's like Eretz Yisrael. Remember, if you're moving between one Medina and another Medina in Eretz Yisrael, you don't need to say the declaration of it. And Shmuel says, no, that you do. Let's suggest they're arguing in the following. Rav holds Rafisha in Bikini Shmoh Bahani Gmiri. The concern is that it wasn't written Lishmo and in Bavel they Gmiri, they tell me they Khabin they know about it. Umar Sovar and Shmuel holds Lafish Ain Aidim Matsuim Lakaimo because Aidim were not found to verify it. Bahani Nami Loishan between one province, one uh, country in the area of Bavel and another country, you're not gonna find Aidim, so you do still need to make the declaration. Just an interesting question. On the previous Daf, we said that um, even if in Chutzla Oretz, at that point, they are learned. Okay, so Baruch Hashem in, uh, in Johannesburg, when they're writing kids in the base, they know how they have to be done. So we still say there's the concern of Outside of Eretz Yisrael, in Chutzla Oretz, we always have the concern that it's going to go back to the original state when people didn't treat this requirement of um, of the the requirement of Lishmor, seriously, maybe it will return to that. So you always have to say, if it's from Chutzlaris to Eretz Yisrael and one Medina to another Medina in Chutzlaris, you always have to say, So someone who answer and it will help us, the Gemara will kind of say this, but basically it seems that in Babel there was never the Gzaira. And we'll see why shortly. But in Babel there was never that um, Gezeira um, because it was always a Mokom Torah and therefore we're, Babel is, but, but it will come and fill that in shortly. But that's why don't get confused between those two pieces. So, Vatizbara, is this logical? I to say that Rav is going like Rabba, that the only concern is Lishmo, and Shmuel is going like Rava, that we want to verify the Adim. He says, Vatizbara, or Rabba Islay's Rava. Didn't we say that Rabba holds like Rava? Rabba says you need two requirements. You need to verify that it's Lishmo, and you need to verify the Adim. So even if the signatures, so even if you're 100% certain that they were the Gedole Ador doing the get who did it Lishmo, there's still the concern that you need to say the declaration to verify the signatures. So he says, You're right. Everyone agrees you need to verify the star. Oh, so what's the machloek as Rav and Shmuel in, in Babel? Someone who says, Rav holds that since there was many yeshivas, you could always find Adim. People travel from one yeshiva to the next. They send questions between each other. They go visit each other. So people... Pardon? They didn't have WhatsApp, but they had many yeshivas which people would move around to. Shmuel says you can't rely on this, that people travel between yeshivas, because in yeshivas they're not concentrating on uh, what different signatures look like, etc. They're too busy caught up in their learning. You can't trust uh, Yeshiva Bachrim uh, to know what's going on in the community around and whose signature looks like you's because they sit in the base measures from morning till night, totally caught up and engaged in their learning. Um, Itmar Nami, this is 
said, all, we also learned this in a brisa, um, or yeah, we taught this elsewhere, I, this concept that the concern is, do we consider the travel between yeshivas that you'll have someone who knows and recognizes the signatures? So, Omar Rabbi Abba, Omar Ravuna. Rabbi Abba said, in the name of Ravina, we made in Rav, um, Ravuna said, Sorry, Osino atzmeinu bebavel keeretz Yisrael legitin miki asa Rav lebavel. From when Rav came to Bavel, we considered Bavel like Eretz Yisrael regarding gitin. I moving between one Medina and another Medina. In Bavel, you will find someone to verify the edim, and therefore you don't need to make the declaration befonai nechtam or befonai nechtam. Now, how does this, so remember what, what we're coming to prove, that Rav's, that the Machlokas, Rav and Shmuel, is based on this concept that you can rely on the traveling between yeshivas, that you'll have someone who recognizes the document. Um, so interestingly, um, how, does, how do we see it from this, oh, when Rav came to Babel, we treated ourselves like uh, Eretz Israel. How does that show, show that? So Rashi seems to learn as follows. Um, Rav came and set up his yeshiva in Surah. There was already Shmuel's yeshiva in. Rav was actually originally from Bavel. He went to learn in yeshiva in Eretz Israel. He learned under Rebbe, the compiler of the Mishnah, Rebbe Nasi. And then he went back to Bavel to be a Rav there. So he set up a yeshiva in Surah. There was already the yeshiva in Nahardar. So what do you mean when Rav came? So um, Rashi points out, However, there was already in Torin Babel. It's brought from the when Yochonyo was exiled. That's towards the end of the first Beis Hamikdash. When Yochonyo was exiled, they already went the great Misgeres. Um, let me just check their name. I never remember Misgeres and the Vacheres uh, Misgal. That's who were exiled with him. It's referring to the Gedolei Sanhedrin. So from already from the first place, I mean, that's the first time the Jews were exiled into Babel. I mean, that's uh, hundreds of years before this discussion is taking place, before Rav came back. The Cheresh for Mizgar already set up good communities in Babel. So they were always based on Tamidei Tachomim. So the Gzaira that you have to say, Bufonenetam, Bufonenetam, never really applied in Babel, except they didn't know that. They thought Bavel fell into the category of Chutzlaret, and therefore they did. When Rav came, he taught them that tradition, that Bavel doesn't require Oh, what about moving from one... At least. Um, yeah, so, 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 let me just get back to this. Um, when, when he moved, when so, so it can't be that the requirement is to do with Lishma, because they didn't need Lishma in Babel. And what, so what's Rav, so what's the Machlokes Rav and Shmuel? Must be specifically, do we count Babel as two Medinas, like Surah and Nahardai, or do we say, since people with Bokrim would travel between the two, it's one. Rav says it's one, and Shmuel says it's two. Because again, you never have to come on to the discussion of Lishmo in Bavel because of, as we've explained, they were always Tamidei Chachomim from the start and therefore the Xero was never made there. Um, 
just this idea of the yeshiva bachrim being uh, totally caught up in their gear so that they don't really know what's going on around. I know my grandfather, he, when he, so I mean, it's not everyone's shit, not everyone manage, and very few people manage it. But he went, I mean, he lived in Minneapolis and he went to Tells in Cleveland. And he said he had already been in yeshiva for many, many years, and he needed to go, I don't know if it was to the post office or to do something, uh, Tells in Cleveland for many years, and he needed to do something, and he had to ask directions. When he was in yeshiva, he sat and he learned, and he didn't uh, go check out the different the city or go around the city or anything. He was torrid begirsa, just sat and learned. So that's so true. You can't expect the bathroom to recognize different townsfolk's signatures and stuff. They're totally caught up in their learning. They don't um, notice any of that. Okay, Masif Reb Yumiya. Reb Yumiya challenged us. It seems he's going to challenge it from two points. I, he's going to challenge this that we consider Bavel. Like Eretz Israel, Rabbi Huda Amar Mirakin LeMizrach Thomekim Ki Israel MeAshkelon LeDrom VeAshkelon KeDrom. Remember when they were defining the borders of Eretz Israel and what's considered in Eretz Israel and outside of Eretz Israel, they said Rekem and East and Rekem is like the East. Is outside of Eretz Israel. Ashkelon and South and Ashkelon is like the South. I outside of Eretz Israel. MeAkol Tzofon from Akko and North VeAkol KeTzofon. And Akko is like the north. For how Babel the Tzvoyne the Eretz Yisrael kaimed you'll see by Yomer Hashem alai mitzof and tif tacharo. And Babel we know is to the north of Eretz Yisrael, as the pasuk says. Hashem said to Yirmiya, "This is again the bolus golus of regarding the golus of Babel. The evil is going to start to come from the north, and it's coming. I mean, and it's Babel. So we see Babel is to the north. So the, what does the Mishnah say very clearly, according to Rabbi Yehuda, that Akko and north." Is Lachutz Oretz and Babel's in the north, and then Vetzdan and a second point. Rabbi Meir Oimer Akko Keretz Israel Kitin Vatpilu Rabbi Meir Lo Amar Ela Baaka to Mikrava. Rabbi Meir says that Akko has the same status as Eretz Israel regarding Kitin, but that's because Akko is very class. Ava Bochol Demerka Kala anything further than Akko would be considered Chutz Oretz, and Babel's further north than Akko, so it should be considered Chutz Oretz. So how can Rav come along and say that? Bavel is like Chutz Laaretz. Um, so, who Moisiv lo, who Mefarek lo, lebar mi Bavel. He, he challenged it and he answered it that it's excluding Bavel. I, when we speak about these boundaries to Akko and northwards, etc., is considered outside of Israel, that's excluding Bavel. Again, as we explained, Bavel had a different status because from its first setting up of the community, it was. Um, from Tamidei Chachamim, and the second aspect of Konturav is, and even later on, oh, so you're worried about, fine, so you got around the Lishmore problem, what about that, and you need to verify the signatures, and that's why you say, before Nehtam, before Nehtam. So he says, um, um, so that's, as we just learned, they travel between the yeshivas. Um, very interestingly, um, a question you can ask here, is why does it bring a pasuk? I want to tell you where something is in the map, I'm going to, or where something's situated in the world. I'm going to tell you the pasuk, or I'm going to bring you a map and point it to you. It makes more sense to bring a map. So the one, I mean, I think what could be an answer, something that needs more investigation, but I was just speaking with uh, Adrian Schiegel last night, and he said, the Briskers actually had an approach that you take to determine reality. Obviously, we have all our issues and our concerns and our things going on. But you really want to determine reality, you look at what the halacha is, and you superimpose that, and that's how things should be. So, to, to the degree, you might say that, you know what, you could argue whether 
Bavel is to the north, maybe you'll say it's to the northeast, maybe it's, you know, there might be a bit of a sash. The Torah tells us Bavel's to the north, that's what it is. Regardless of, and I mean, the, the strength of that is they would say almost as even if you want to go and get technical and say, no, Bavel's a bit more to the east than to the north, whatever, doesn't matter. The Possek says it's north, that was it's just an interesting way of looking at the world. And an important way to think about is that, I mean, Halach often creates the reality for our life. What makes something kosher or not kosher? It's not how uh, healthy the animal grew up or, you know, all these things. I mean, they might play a role. Don't want to exclude from that. But it's, that's the halacha. You look in Shulchan Aruch, you look in the Gemaras, does it tell you it's kosher or not kosher? Um, so I think there was another example also from the one brisker up. Um, Okay, over offhand. Um, let's go on. At Haifan Hoyo Bavel, where's the boundaries of Bavel that we can say this halacha? So he says, Omar Papa Just as there's the same machloikas as are by lineage, so too there's a machloik is the same machloikas for gitin. In Kiddushin it discusses that Bovel has the purest lineage, and you don't have to worry about Mamzerim and the Sinin, etc. And there it discusses the boundaries of Bavel regarding this halacha. Well, she said it has that same um, borders. And he says, no, the boundaries regarding Yuchzin lineage is a machlokes. Until the second swamp passed the bridge. Okay, I don't know, obviously, clearly an area that they knew about, and uh, that's what it's referring to. Rav, oh, this is very Rav Chizda required someone to say, if they were taking a get from Aktispon to Ardashir. When we made Ardashir la Aktisfun, but someone traveling from Ardashir to Aktisfun, he would not require uh, this declaration. Maybe you'll say, oh, because the people, the concern is that they don't know to write it Lishmo, and the people of um, Ardashir did learn and did know to make it lishma. So if you, someone was bringing you a get to actas, to, uh, to actisfon from Ardashir, you can assume it was written lishma and he doesn't have to make the declaration. But Tisbero, is that logical? Vahor Rabbi is later Rava. Rabbi agrees with Rava. Uh, there's two factors. So fine, you've got around the lishma factor, but there's still the factor that you need to verify the item. There's not a lot of travel between, uh, is there travel between Ardashir and Aktisfon? And if there is travel, well, then it should work both ways. Why only if it's from Ardashir to Aktisfon do you not need the declaration, but the other way around, you do need the declaration. So he says, no, Right. The whole reason, the, the main reason is that you need to verify the signatures. That's why he has to say, Since the people of Ardashir would always go to Aktisfon, Lashuka, for, for the market, um, Sorry, yeah. The people of Adashir would go to the market in Aktisfon. The people of Aktisfon were experts, knew what the signatures of the people from Adashir looked like. Because remember, they're going to walk into the shop, they're going to just, what's it, sign the delivery letter, they're going to sign, uh, I mean, you know what, the credit note, they're taking it on credit, they're going to sign all these things. So the people in Adashir have records, they know what their signatures look like. However, oh, but then why didn't the people of Ardashir know to recognize the signatures of the people of Aktisfon? 
says my time. He says, Bashukai Torid, because when they were there, they were caught up in market day. Oh, they were going into the different markets and going into the shops. They weren't busy looking at the documents and how people signed or whatever. That's what we're like. They were just uh, taking or getting what they needed, signing for proof of and credits and things like that, and running and then going home. You know, the other people, they had to file all, they'd sit down and do their filing afterwards. They were, when they were waiting in the shop, they could look at the different documents they had, but that we don't have here. Um, Rabba Baravua. So that yeah, so, so that's so that's a very interesting scenario from Ardashir to Aktisbot had a different halacha to people travelling the other way around. But again the main concern there was would there be someone to verify the signatures? Okay, Rabba Baravua Matrichme Arsala Arsa, Rabba Baravua said, You even need a a uh, someone to make the declaration if they're travelling from one side of the street to the other. This means if there's a big main road between two uh, things you need, so the, the, the houses on either side of the highway, either side of George Avenue, you know, something like that, you need to say, if you're delivering again. No, even from one neighborhood to the next. Even if they're neighboring complexes, you need to uh, make the declaration if you're delivering again. And Rava required in that Shuna. But didn't robbers say that it's because they know Aidim to verify the, de- the the get? If they live right next door to each other, <coughs> you're surely going to be able to verify the, the get. The signature's on the get. So why does robber require this? There's no shiny b'nai mechuzah. The people of mechuzah are different than Naidi because they travel and they move around. I think this would be the concern basically in Chutzlar or in certain places and certain neighborhoods, people are moving around all the time. So just because when he delivered the get or a few weeks ago he was there, he's gone on a business trip, his neighbors moved, you're not going to necessarily find someone to verify the, the get. Interesting a halachic discussion around this, not going to go into the details now, but important to realize, um, Rava was the Rav of Mechuzah. Rava was the Rav of Mechuzah. So when Rava comes along and says, in Mechuzah, even if you've got two people who live next door to each other and someone's delivering the get from one to the other, and the Adim live also next door to each other, something like that, you still need to make the declaration. So someone would say, oh, well, Rava's making a localized sack for the scenario of Mechuzah. And if you have a town similar to Mechuzah, similar to Mechuzah then you would need that halacha. But any uh, normal towns would not require it. And others want to take Rava's thing as more generic. You're right, he said it about his town, but he was just describing life in general. So that's two ways of looking at how, because Rava's referring to in his town, to limit it to his town. And again, yeah. Um, okay, um, next teaching. Rav Hanin Mishtoi. Rav Khanin told over the following case. Rav Khanna, I see Gita, Veloyadani, Imi Surah, Nardai, even Adala Surah. Rav Khanna was bringing a get, and I don't remember, was it from Surah to Nardai or Nardai to Surah? Asselakai made the Rav, and they came before Rav to find out do they need to make the declaration. Omalait, Srikhana le Maymar, Befane Nechta, Befane Nechta, Molot Sarikha. So sorry, they came before Rav, and, he, and they said to him, Do we need to make the declaration? So, you don't need to make the declaration. If you do make the declaration, it's effective. 
What is legacy? What does it mean? It's effective. Again, the whole purpose of the declaration is that if is that you can verify the signatures. If you don't need to verify the signatures, or there are people around to verify the signatures, what's going on here? So what my ahanis? How does it help? So that if the husband comes and he protests the get, we don't listen to him. Remember, now this goes back to one of the biggest novelties of this whole principle is you telling me I need to verify the signatures. And I can rely on the one aid, the person delivering the get to verify the signatures. Generally, you need two aid in. So that's the part of the whole chidush here is that you would have thought where the rabbis made the exera, a place where you need to make the declaration, they went lenient and said that the declaration is conclusive and the husband can't protest. But who says you can use it in all other cases? What, just for fun, when you're delivering a get, you can now make this declaration and you, a single, the, the delivery person, can count as a single aid that's as good as two. You might have thought, no. So Rav's coming along and saying, no, it helps. It still has that effect. So even though for the get, so there's two stages. The get would be valid without the declaration, because remember holds in, in Babel from one yeshiva to the next, you don't need to verify it. So it would be a kosher get. However, if you do make the declaration, you've saved yourself a lot of trouble because the husband can never come and protest this. You save the woman a lot of trouble because the husband can never come and protest this. Again, even though that's not where Chazal made the Xerah. So then it says, There's a case where someone brought a get before Rabbi Shmuel. Oh my Lord, Do I need to say this declaration? That it was written before me and sealed, signed before me. So Amalei Beni Mahechanatos. He said, "Oh, well, where are you from?" So Amalei Rebbe Mikfar Sisai. And he says, "I'm from Kfar Sisai." And Amalei Tzarich Ato Loima Bafanei Nechtam Bafanei Nechtam Shaloi Tizkak Laedim. You need to say this declaration so that we don't require Aedim. Note, he didn't say, well, well, the Gemara is going to analyze this shortly, but we don't say that you need this declaration to make the get valid. You need this declaration so that you, so that, because, so you won't need Adem. So that's basically what Rav was also saying. Make the declaration, if you can, make the declaration anyway, so that we never bother, have to bother verifying the get again. After this person left, But wait, Rebbe Kfar Sisai is in the Tchum of Eretz Yisrael, and it's even closer to Tzipori than Ako. Akko is a town that was basically half in, half out Eretz Israel, and this is even more part of Eretz Israel. Says Vatnan, and we learned in the Mishnah, Rabbi Meir, Oimer Akko ke Eretz Israel, the Gitin, Afil Rabbonel, Obligi Oled, Rabbi Meir, Elab Akko de Merchakai. The rabbis who argue on Rabbi Meir, who say that Akko is considered Chutzaret, that's because, granted, it's half in Eretz Israel, it's quite far from the center, but. Here, the law, but which is very close, is not a question. Everyone would agree it's considered part of Eretz Yisrael. So Rabbi Lai is asking Rabbi Shmuel, why did you pasca that he should say the declaration? He clearly doesn't need to make the declaration in this case. So Amalosh talk, finish talk. It's quite my son. Yotza, Dova, Beheter, Yotza. 
Once the matter has this leniency, you can rely on this leniency. As I explained before, once Chazal have said, this shliach who makes this declaration, verifying the signatures, is as effective as if as two witnesses, that would apply across the board, even in cases where you don't have to make the declaration. So that's okay. So that, as we explained, is quite a strong point. So it is still advantageous to make the declaration. Why is it advantageous to make the declaration? Because like we said, a few weeks or months later, the husband rocks up and says, oh, but that's not, uh, I didn't authorize that yet. What you're going to have to do, you're not going to have to hunt down the witnesses. And we're assuming you're right. It's from, uh, I don't know, Johannesburg to Cape Town. You will find witnesses. However, pardon? You're going to hunt down the people who have signed, or you're going to hunt down someone who recognizes the signatures. I think it's too, I don't even know if the Shia can help anymore. <coughs> but you've got to go on the mission. So rather just say the declaration now, and it counts as two witnesses. Then he says, Oh, says, now the question here, the Kabbalah says, why was Rabbi Lai confused? As we said, it's very clear that Rabbi Shmuel is making a special aloha because he doesn't say he has to verify to, he has to make the declaration to certify the Adim. He says you have to make the declaration so you don't have to worry about the Adim. It gets valid. And you know, so why did Rabbi Lai get confused? It's all, you would not be like, Tiskot la Adim, Rabbi Shmuel didn't say that you need the Adim. He just says, rather do it so you don't have to worry about the Adim. So, Loi Same Kameh, they didn't finish the teaching before Rabbi Lai. And what did Rabbi Lai hear? They reported to know Rabbi Shmuel says that he needed to make the declaration. Now, that sounds like the dini, if he didn't make the declaration, the get would be invalid. And that's why Rabbi Lai challenged him. Comes along and says that he didn't finish Rabbi Shmuel's teaching was. You don't, not that you need to make the declaration, but make the declaration so that you don't require Adim. So that you don't have to worry about, not that you don't require, so that you don't worry about the Adim. Um, so, I mean, this is, in, by the way, this is teaching a very important uh, concept. When you're quoting someone's psaq, make sure you're getting the context correct. You leave off a phrase of a sentence and you've totally changed. It sounds, when they left off the phrase of the sentence, Rabbi Lai thought, they have to make the declaration, and if they don't, the get would be invalid. Whereas really all Rabbi Shmuel was saying, which Rabbi Lai would have never argued with, is that it's a good idea to make such a declaration. But not that you have to, because again, it's all within Eretz Yisrael. So that's again, when you're quoting halacha, or Rav tells you halacha in someone's name, make sure that you're getting the, the, the context, the full picture. Um, <coughs> And interesting, that's what Ramosha Fancy says. He's writing down his chumas. Not to tell you how to practice. You don't follow his bottom line. He's not the boss of he's not the boss of Aloha that everyone listens to, that has to listen to him. He says, but I wrote down my for so you can see what I took into consideration and you can analyze it. And if it makes sense, good. If it doesn't, then Paskinal uh, you see. But again, that's uh, important to realize with Aloha, it's not just about following you know, exactly what he said. It's about getting the content, getting what the principle that it's based on. And that's... Uh, that's the aloha. Okay, Sholach Lei Rebbe Evyoso Lerevchizda. Rebbe Evyoso sent to Rebchizda. Gitina boy mishom lakan. Ain sorich loima b'fonenechta b'fonenechta. When you have Gitin coming from Babel to Eretz Yisrael, they don't have to make the declaration. 
Maybe it's because Rabbi Evyasar holds they are not expert in what the requirement of Lishma is. And in Babel they were learned, like we said. So maybe that's why Rabbi Jotar said that they don't need to make the declaration. Someone bringing a get from Babel Terrace doesn't and says, But is Rabbi is later over. But wait, Rabbi agrees to Rabbi that you always need, you do need to because it's from two different countries and you're not going to find Adim. So, you're right. Everyone agrees he has to verify the get. He has to be able to verify the signatures. But since there are many people who travel between Eretz Yisrael and Babel, so like they go up to Eretz Yisrael and they go down to Babel, you'll find someone who can verify the signatures. You'll find people who recognize the signatures or you'll find the Aiden themselves who sign. So that's why from Babel to Eretz there's travel between them. Omar Rabbi Yosef says, who says we can rely on Rabbi Evyosar? He's not reliable. We can't take this halacha as a given because he said it. He says, Ba'od, and I'll show you why. He says, He said to Rabbi Yehuda, People who go from Babel to Eretz Yisrael, it seems like coming up from Babel to Eretz Yisrael to sit and learn. They making a prophecy about themselves they're fulfilling the following they gave the young boy as a prostitute and they sold the daughter for wine to drink I'll come back to that prophecy but what's, oh, what's, what's, where, where do we see that Rabbi Vyotor was not reliable the cause of law he wrote that pasuk without ruling a line underneath it whenever you write psukim you have to rule lines out of cover, out of respect for the psukim, to make sure that you're writing them straight. Yeah, like you see in the Torah, you see the large edge of the paper. If you have two letters, you need to, or if you have three letters, um, Sorry, if you're just writing two words from a pasuk, you don't have to write, do the lines. But if you're writing three letters, you do. But if you're writing three letters, you do have, you don't have to. But if you're writing four letters, you do. Okay, discussion exactly how many words, not letters, how many words from the pasuk you have to write before you have this obligation to etch the lines. Now, um, so, so what, but what's the difficulty with Rav Rebbe of Yatar? Is he wrote this letter with this pasuk without etching a line or ruling a line on the paper before he wrote the pasuk. So how can you trust him? He's clearly not such a Talmud Chacham. I'll come back to you. You're going to tell me that anyone who doesn't know this teaching of Rav Yitzhak is not a great person. It makes sense to consider someone not a Talmud Chochum if he gets something wrong in Sephora. If it's something that he should have been able to work out based on a principle or something, then yeah, he, he misses that he's not a Talmud Chochum. But here, this is a tradition and, who's, and he didn't hear the tradition. I, you can't expect him to know every single tradition from every single person. He never learned under Rebbe Yitzchak. So how is he going to know that you even have to rule a line for, a, for one posuk? Maybe he knows you're writing a Sefer Torah, you're writing a paragraph from the Torah, you're writing Tfilin, you have to etch lines. But where do you get that for this... Uh, um, 
Um, but just because he didn't know this tradition doesn't rule him out as a Talmud Chacham. We're going to bring another source, that, a proof that Rabbi Eliyasar was a great Talmud Chacham. But let's just um, go back and analyze. Firstly, what's the, so what's the pasuk he was speaking about? So Rashi is saying, remember, he said, those people who go from Babel to Eretz Yisrael are fulfilling about themselves. They gave their sons over as prostitutes and their da- sold their daughters for wine and drink. Um, so Rashi explains... Um, because they would remain in Eretz Yisrael a long time, and they would leave their wives a kudos, and they would not fulfill the mitzvah of Puravu, right, because they didn't view children as significant. So Rashi is quite a broad way of looking at it. it says, but by the fact that they would travel to Eretz Yisrael for long times and leave their wives at home, and they wouldn't bother about the mitzvah of Puravu, they're treating, they're treating children as worthless, as prostitutes and things. Not literally, I don't understand that literally, but conceptually they're not valuing having children as much as they should. Tosos have a slightly different take on it. Um, again, same idea. Not taking it literally. But he says because they would spend so long in Eretz Yisrael, their children would have to kind of uh, make a plan to get food. And sometimes they would sell themselves to make food. A young child doesn't know how he's going to get food. He doesn't have a profession. So he'd sell himself. Okay, but... Um, but not, uh, but, it's, but not as a zon, as a prostitute, as a zona for food, mazon. So not, they wouldn't prostitute themselves out, but they would have to go to great lengths and it would be a big trouble for them to get food. So they're leaving their children to go astray for food. So that's what he was saying about the people of Babel. But the concern is that he wrote it. Just a few interesting halachas of this writing the, the lines. Um, so firstly, have you ever seen, does it apply only to Kisvei Kodesh or even to letters? We see from here, even just a letter. And there's a big discussion. What happens if you're using it to stylistically, I want to write a letter to you, and weaving in, if you look at the Rishonim, when they write like an introductional thing, they read um, using Sukkim to phrase their sentences. So someone to go lead you. But either way, we see from here, even if it's not a Saikatari, even if it's just a letter to someone, you have to rule lines. Um, we also see but it's a letter. It's not, we're not discussing parchment, we're discussing paper. So that's why many bring, but on paper you can't etch a line into paper. So you bring a pencil line is good enough. Pitzchei Tshuva on that Simon discusses even a piece of uh, ruling with a pencil. So you want to write psukim in your notebook or in your thing, you must rule lines. Have you ever seen anyone do that? Have you ever seen anyone bother about that? So I think the halacha is only where it's ashuris. When you're writing in the same script as the Torah, and you're going to string a few words of a posuk, you saw Mahlokes, is it three or four? Um, sorry, is it four or five? But either way, yeah, three or four, you would have to rule a line in pencil if you're writing in the same script that the Torah scroll is written in. Okay, but there's a big discussion here, because what about mezuzahs? It doesn't seem that you need lines for mezuzahs, etc. So maybe for Tefillin you don't. One of them, Ramanu Tam, says you just need a line at the top. You don't need all the lines. Okay, but there's a discussion in Tosos here. Did he show you exactly when you need lines and how many lines you need? But that, let's, let's go on a few more lines. I've got another proof that Rabbi Vyatar was a great, a great sage. And don't dismiss him. Hashem agreed with the way Rabbi Yotor interpreted the Apostle. You see, as it's written, 
his Pelegas strayed from him. This was the story of Pelegas Bekiva. Basically, this man, very, very short, got very angry with his Pelegas. She ran away. It led to her being uh, raped and uh, him despising her. And it caused a civil war in the whole of Israel where over 50,000 Jews died as a result of it. So that's the background to the story. So it says she... Yeah. So she strayed from him. It says, He found a fly in his food. Um, um, so Rabbi Yat said, He found a food. Rabbi Yonasan Omar Nima Matsalah. Rabbi Yonasan says he found a hair in his food. Not a fly in his food, a hair in his food. What was Hashem doing? So At the same time, you are having that discussion. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was learning, speaking the words of, of uh, Pilegesh Begiva. What was he saying? So says this is what Evyosar was saying, explaining the Pilegesh Begiva that she strayed, she put a fly in, she, there was a fly in his food, and this is what Yonasan was saying. So he said to him, he says, Eliyahu, how can you tell me that Hashem wasn't sure what happened? Of course Hashem knew. So what do you mean Hashem said it was a fly review? So no, both are the words of Hashem. He found a fly first and he didn't get angry. And then at another stage he found a hair. Not Nima Maki, but he feared that he got very angry. At first he was prepared to overlook the fly that he found in the food. But, and then he found a hair in his food. That is like not a chance. Rabbi Yehuda explains when it refers to a fly, he found a fly in his food, an insect in his food. And when it refers to a, nim, a, a hair, that she didn't shave her pubic hair properly, so he was in danger of the hair severing his organ. And he got up, the zvuv was disgusting, but he overlooked it at first, but the nima put him in danger, so he got very drunk. Others say, no, it's both referring to in his food, but the zvuv was out of her control, onsa. You're not always able to control when an insect flies into the food. So she prepared the food and put it in her husband, in front of his husband. He found a fly, but he was prepared to overlook it, because that's something hard for her to control. But to find a hair in his food, that's negligent. She should never have prepared the food like that. Okay, so that's the Pilegesh Begiva. That's what we see. What do we see? Hashem says, Hashem was prepared to verify Rav Evyoso's pshat. So you can't tell me that Rav Evyoso is not reliable. He's definitely reliable. Just on this last thing, just one interesting idea on it. So Rav Gigi said on Shabbos, remember he said on Shabbos, he said there's Kriyashma, there's Tefillah, and he wanted to add that Rashi speak about and he wants to add Torah. Kriyashma is discussing about Hashem. Tefillah is us talking to Hashem. And Torah is Hashem talking. That's what we see here. I remember my father used to say a story from his Rosh Hashanah, Rav Gusman. He said he didn't know what he preferved. Zman, a yeshiva ter, or beit azmanim. But the yeshiva was a break. Why? Because during Zman, he had shir from Rav Shimon Shkop. That's the Torah coming directly from Hashem. Literally sitting there and listening to Hashem speak. Because we can't compare that. <coughs> But the difficulty is you're limited to the yeshiva seder. You have to learn what they're learning. You have to uh, 
take a break. But they, they, you have to follow the same. You know, in he can learn as long as he wants, as much as he wants, whatever he wants. So he wasn't sure whether he preferred man or Bain money. But you see that, that that idea of the Shekhinah speaking directly when we learn Torah, that, that's how we're supposed to view it. And the Nefesh Achaim brings it. I wanted to do it inside, but I think it's quite late. So we'll leave it there for today and we'll continue with the Gemara tomorrow. But this idea when Hashem, Hashem's saying the words of Torah, when we learn Torah, it's Hashem speaking to us. This discussion that we have is Hashem talking through us. Okay, have a very good day.